Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Drone Insights and Technology, a Connexicore podcast. We're going to be talking about real-world topics that will uncover the business of commercial drones and the applications that drive this exciting market. Your host for the series is Frank Segura, CEO and founder of Connexicore, one of the leading industry drone service providers. With each episode, we will be talking with industry thought leaders about how commercial drones are being used right now in all types of vertical markets to save time, save money, and keep workers safe. As a reminder, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to stay up to date with the latest episodes. And now, with no further ado, is our host, Frank Segura. Hello, and welcome to Drone Insights in Technology, a podcast by Connexicore. I'm your host, Frank Segura. I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler Kern, and we'd like to thank you for joining us for this episode where we're going to help you, the consumer, scratch the surface on how to leverage all this data we hear about today that is generated by drones. Our guest today is the distinguished, very organized, and downright nice guy, Stephen Katz, founder and chief pilot at Skyladder Drones, uh, one of Southern California's leading UAS operators, and a very senior level partner of Connexicore's nationwide pilot fleet. Today, Stephen is going to share his insights not only on overcoming the notion that drones just take pretty pictures and video, but the geospatial data can be seriously extrude as a true workforce multiplier. And we're going to get into that in some more detail. Steven, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to join you. Thanks so much for having me, Frank and Tyler. It's going to be a good conversation. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to it. But I do have to tell the audience, I have to quickly share one of my um, initial interactions and first impressions I got when I first met Steven. So Connexicore has a client in Southern California who manages a pretty substantial portfolio of high-end community properties. And they approached us and asked us, how can drones efficiently inspect and analyze the existing roofing conditions of uh, this terracotta tile sloped roof and flat membrane roofs in the senior citizen community, uh, which had about 120 homes and 80 acres. Now, in my mind, this was like a no-brainer. Uh, I'd bring in Stephen Katz, who had recently joined our team who had the credentials to nail this project and deliver huge value and cost savings to our client. During our project review, Stephen and I laid out the drone flight missions so we can capture six to eight properties at a time, yet still get enough data that it was a thousand times more accurate and faster than the actual roofing inspectors climbing around a fragile piping hot terracotta roof in the middle of the summer would accomplish. So fast forward a few days and Connexicore, we submit our proposal to the homeowner association and a few days pass and they come back and they decline our offer. And I was like, wow, I was blown away and immediately went into sales mode and simply asked the question, why? And they answer, you ready for this? Their answer was <laughs> your price seemed too cheap. <laughs> that's hilarious I, you never shared that with me frank that's hilarious yeah and i had fun with this and after explaining the general workflow of the drone approach and the lifetime data capture that they would have and own we received the purchase order and the project was completed by steven in two days uh anyway steven had to tell i i just had to tell this story because it truly fits into our episode topic today and uh, I'm going to stop now and stop uh, pontificating in my blabbering, and I'm going to get right into uh, some serious questions. So, Stephen, tell us about your involvement in the drone industry and the work that you're doing at Skyladder Drones today. 
No, that's terrific. And I, I think we should definitely swing back to the that condo complex project because it was <laughs> it was actually really interesting. And we should have asked for more money now that I think back at it, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm actually involved in three different sides of the business. So the commercial side, which I think we're going to spend most of our time on, but I did want to mention two other sides of the business of the drone industry that, that I'm involved in. And uh, that uh, one is the commercial side, which includes construction, inspections, and mapping. And that's really where you gather some real data. And I'm excited to talk more about that. I'm also involved in the public safety side. So we I have a tight partnership with a, a, a company called Flying Lion based here in Southern California. We hold the contract with Chula Vista Police, Redondo Beach Police, Hermosa Police, and Manhattan Police. And we actually not just deploy a sprinter van as a command van for incidents, we also operate as drone pilots for drones and first responder programs. And we could talk hours on just the drone as first responder program, but being involved in that is really exciting. And Chula Vista, the, the main client there is probably the most cutting edge police agency using drones in the country and maybe even in the world. So they actually use drones to respond to 911 calls. So the drone gets to the 911 call and broadcasts that call before a patrol officer even shows up. Right. So before patrol officers sometimes dispatched because they're responding to 911 calls, not just dispatch. So it's really cool. And the third oh. element that I'm involved in, I'm sorry, did you want to, we could uh, talk, like I said, we could talk hours on that one. You so. know, I was more, more curious to know uh, when you're streaming that video, mm -hmm. um, are, are you tethered or are you on a battery powered drone and you're just capturing what you can capture on that battery cycle? Yeah, no. So yeah, no. So battery cycle, um, they just upgraded to the DJI M300s for a little longer flight time. And there is talk about being able to have two drones in an air with one pilot in the future. They've asked for that waiver. So they do need to come back and change batteries currently to answer your question. And the streaming is actually coming through a system by Motorola that actually broadcasts that not just to the pilot that is flying the drone because the actual is a police officer that's manipulating the drone controls and telling the drone where to go, not just the pilot on the roof, but also it broadcasts to squad cars. So squad cars kind of hang out around the corner, wait for the drone to assess the situation. And those, and those patrol officers actually see the feed real time on their cell phones. So it's, it's really, really cool and it saves lives. It's pretty neat. Yeah, I was um, I was involved in some of that technology prior to Motorola acquiring that company, and um, we oh, were also doing some funny. test pilots with that streaming video, and it gave, it actually gave you teleoperator capability where uh, yep. the drone uh, the drone pilot uh, him or herself obviously has control of the drone, but if somebody in a command and control center wanted to take over, they could pass control over to that person, and that person and command and control could actually control that drone with right. geofencing built around yep. the certain perimeter. So yes, I'm pretty familiar with that. And I it think it sounds like you're really familiar. I, I think it would be a great future session for you because it's it's pretty neat. So oh, where yeah. the where the R picks on the roof there. So our pilots get the and they're expanding right now to additional locations, rooftops. So our pilots get the flight time and Chula Vista has beyond visual line of sight of up to three miles to fly these drones. Um, and so our 
team is probably getting the most BVLOS time in the country also, because they're flying every day, multiple, you know, they're on the roof for 10 hours a day. Sure. So it's really exciting. And I didn't know you were involved. Well, we can shoot the, <laughs> shoot, shoot, shoot our subjects about, oh, I almost cussed there. So we can uh, discuss that uh, other time. But, um, and then the third thing I'm involved in is the training. This is a way that myself and my partner give back to the community. And so we actually do part 107 training to help people pass the test at two local community colleges at Santa Monica College and at El Camino College. So ranges in age from 16 to 65 year olds in the class, people that are ex-military looking at job retraining. That's the department it's in and it's, it's just really satisfying. So it includes part 107 training, flight training, and then an externship where some of our students come out and do work with us, both um, either on the law enforcement side or myself commercially. So it's it's a great real world. We call it an externship. Yes, I was going to say, I've not heard that term before. Yeah, uh, we so, have interns and, and you have externships. I like that. Yeah, because, well, the, the idea is, is when a... You have somebody that's like really excited about drones. That's great, right? And I'm not want to slap them with reality that it's not just fun flying drones, but when they get out there, they learn the safety protocols like, okay, not just a vest on, we're at a construction site, you're wearing, you know, wearing, we're wearing a hard hat. Okay, let's look around, let's do an assessment. So when you're doing flight training on a football field at a community college, there's not much to run into, right? But when you're out at a construction site and there's three cranes and two trees sitting next to you, there's some real things to at least start talking through with them. And so there's that real world, quote unquote, externship is just terrific. It's, it allows us, I've gotten multiple visual observers. We've gotten pilots that I hire out of it too. So it's really helped build our network here in Southern California, but it's also built a network of people that are really well-trained. So it's pretty cool. Well, that's really great. And I'm a big advocate for giving back to the community. There's no doubt about it. Uh, this country needs some unification and some love and happiness and giving back to the community is always a good, good gesture uh, to show that you're yeah. part of it. It's funny. It's actually, I started, Frank, it started with giving back, like totally one-sided. It's actually given me more. And that sounds so cheesy, right? I sound like Kim Kardashian on, on a talk <laughs> show or something, right? But it feels like you're, but it actually, I, I was doing it because I, I love teaching and I would, I would be a full-time teacher if I could afford it, right? If I, a college type thing. And the pilots and the relationships that we've gotten out of it, it it's far exceeded the time put into it for the teaching it's pretty cool no so. that's very cool so if we could just pivot a little bit and just get back onto the commercial side of things um i know here at connexico we we have fun with we have a little catchphrase it's not about the drone it's about the data because in a lot of these organizations that we're working with uh they seem to focus a lot in fact i get a lot of phone calls and right away I'm talking to someone that I know doesn't really fully understand drones, but they'll ask me, so what drone do you use? What drone will <laughs> we be expecting on site? And I often have to be very frank and, and, and candid with them and ask them, well, why do you ask me that question? Uh, and they don't really have a good answer. A lot of it's perception on hearing about a particular drone, whether it's from some different country or if it's a popular you know, prosumer drone, whatever it is, 
I get that question pretty often and I talk more about the data. You know, we're not going to use, we're not going to use a DJI Matrice uh, 300 uh, if we're, if we're doing videography inside a mansion that's got, you know, chandeliers hanging and artwork on the walls. We're not going to use a drone like that. We're going to use a, a 300 to do some serious mining uh, site surveys, some uh, DSM models, some terrain models. You know, so it's really about the data. What type of data are we providing mm-hmm. the client? So, Stephen, I got to ask you, is there an attitude in some of the industries that you work with that drones are fun for just taking pictures and, and that sort of thing, but not useful for collecting data and other actionable insights. Uh, and we hear that term a lot in the drone business, actionable insights. And I think sometimes people use it a lot, but they don't really understand um, what type of uh, action it is that they need to take when being incited on that particular project by the drone data. Uh, have you and others been working to change that perception? Well, I think we all are, right? We're all kind of doing it in little, we're eating the elephant in small bites here. So uh, yeah, so I have a presentation. I actually record a video that talks about beyond pretty pictures. And that's how I call it, is just how can we go beyond that initial phone call where it's, and and there's some classic ones. I have some great examples of this where the initial phone call was, hey, can you take a picture? I have a great one here. It's one that happened, you know, fairly recently. And it was, hey, can you take some pictures? Uh, I need somebody to take some pictures of my parking lot. And it's a, and it's a, it's actually a kind of an industrial building. It's right next to a Torrance airport. So of course it's zero grid. So there's a whole airspace thing that we have to deal with, which uh, I've gotten amazingly good at. Well, not only because I teach the, you know, a course in part 107. So our, our students have to really understand airspace for that, but this had airspace. And then, so my conversation goes farther, right? And so why do you need the pictures? And I think he might even started with video because video, everybody thinks, hey, I need some video of my, my parking lot. But I said, what do you need it for? He goes, well, I want to know how many of my parking spaces are being used by this tenant because what they do is they have the back part of the back parking lot they use for local car dealerships to store cars. I'm like, no, that's great. I go, but a photo or even video, you're going to be counting cars as they move. It's, it doesn't make any sense. You know what I can do is I can do some mapping and I can map it out and I can, and you'll get a visual map of the, of the area, which again, still not data. I would just call that a, a composed picture, an orthomosaic you know, stitched together photo. And he's like, Oh, that would be great. That's really cool. I said, so tell me again, he go, he goes, he goes, well, I know how many parking spaces I have, but how many cars are parked in it from the dealerships. And then for my tenants, I don't know how many tenant parkings, you know, how many tenants park in cars and how often it evolved into a three day from a one hour. If I just did what he wanted, it would have been an hour you know, flight and whatever it would have been done, it turned into a three-day series to validate different times a day over three days, how many people are parking in that lot because they're redesigning the lot and they want to optimize it again for these. But then I took it one step farther is I overlaid some AI. We actually counted the cars in the parking lot. So we were able to give him the car count on Tuesday at noon 
Wednesday at one, and then I think it was Thursday at 10 a.m., how many actual cars were in the parking lot? And of uh. course, simple math, he just needs to, he knows how many spaces there are. And he, we actually segmented it by different areas. Like this is the car dealership, which stayed pretty consistent. This is your one tenant that's this much. And this is your other tenant parking area. And this is how many people park there. So it was pretty cool where it went from a, a very casual, like you were describing earlier, you know, these casual conversations turn into I would call that more, way more, way beyond just data. It was actually AI and we were able to do it just really quickly. And he was, he, he was so excited. He was telling the city, he was just so excited about That's the, great. what we could do. Yeah. In fact, uh, you just answered one of my other questions was um, why is it important for you to focus on finding, uh, creating solutions to help your customers and how are you doing that? And you just uh, articulated oh, yeah. that pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other things in, embedded in your, your, your question, you kind of hit it in there a little bit. was the, having the right tool for the right job is really important. And, um, and, and that's hard to do because the, the big thing is even having clients now, which I would call early adopters, are coming up with these, these great ideas right? But they don't know how to implement it. And that's one of the challenges, even with that, the housing development that we, that we did the mapping of, of the roofs, right? It ended up being oh, hours and just hours of pre-planning because it ended up having, it's kind of tiered like rice patties. So mm -hmm. everybody had the view of the lake, right? In Mission Viejo. And it's a beautiful, beautiful place and people really nice but because it's tiered you can't just do a big map of the whole thing and get the same quality even if you terrain follow but you can't you couldn't even terrain follow in this situation so we actually had to go to each tier each you know each rice paddy tier for lack of a better term and map that section and then move to the next and we're talking five to ten minute flights they're really quick it wasn't very big but you're constantly moving and we ended up setting up a rig and this is the fun part of doing the drone stuff is these creative solutions where the client doesn't even see everything that goes into it right and when i described to you what we did you're like what i'm like yeah so i had a visual observer her name was jj she was literally sitting on my uh, tailgate of my suv we had a generator sitting on a rack following like a bike rack like one of those um uh, racks that you can put behind the car had a generator on that so it wasn't generating fumes so we were charging batteries as we went and we literally drove from point to point she was holding the drone we'd stop at the next tier jump out turn on the drone cycle it up test it out fly both visual and thermal so we were capturing both visual and thermal and then pack JJ, throw JJ back in the back, hand her the drone so she would hold it and go to the next spot. So it was it was not only a, a, a challenging, you know, planning, but just the flying of it, just working out the workflow so we could do it in two days because not just for us, time's money. So if yeah. it went to three days, it would it would become start becoming just not profitable, especially when we have visual observer on site and you know, just extra help. So, yeah. um, but the client doesn't see that, right? The client sees the ultimate result, which is perfect. But having that right tool, which was, it was an M210 with thermal camera, the high resolution, which shot both visual and thermal, which is what made this 
differentiable or and made it the right tool for the job. Sure. So I have right, a whole bunch right. of those. Frank, I just inspected the bottom of a bridge using a Skydio drone and it was beautiful. It did a great job. But yeah. otherwise, somebody would have been walking in a foot and a half of sludgy, muddy gunk, right? Which was under this underpass. So taking pictures. Yeah. Yeah videos and pictures right so yeah having the right tool to the job but then but then taking it and displaying it i know Exacore has your portal you know how do how do you present it to the client we could talk for hours on yes. that right it's not yeah. just it's not just the capture is how, how do you present it to the client because i'm just i'm just tired of you know seeing facebook posts of drone pilots i do you guys use dropbox or we transfer and I'm like, no, right? Because I mean, what's the what's the solution to that? It's yeah, just, there isn't any. Right, right. Yeah, so. I find personally coming from the prior to starting Connexicore, I was in the uh, video software business for 25 years, and uh, I personally find that utilizing uh, visual overviews during my demonstrations with uh, new customers. Uh, via Zoom of what the final deliverables will interact and look like in the software. It provides a, a huge benefit when I'm educating the clients who are not familiar because you can have a conversation on the phone and you could talk about these deliverables. And there's, there's this other issue that we have in the drone world is all these acronyms. You know, we have right. acronyms, uh, DSM, which means digital surface model, DTM, digital terrain model. We have NDVI, normal di difference vegetation index, and the list goes on and on. Then you have the geospatial terminology, and you mentioned it earlier, such as orthomosaic. And right. when I explain to a customer what an orthomosaic is, which basically is the final product of stitching individual photos together uh, to create a georeferenced mosaic. Or, or what I normally describe is one single high-resolution image of the entire site. Uh, they kind of get it, but when I show it to them visually and how the images are laid out and georeferencing is basically putting a point on the earth where that image is located, then they start to get it. Then they start yeah. to understand so much more because people, people are becoming more familiar with things like Google Earth and whatnot. But yes, there's a lot of acronyms flying around and it really takes some patience. And I notice on your website, you have a lot of samples of point clouds and 3D modeling. Yeah. Uh, what are some examples of, of th that type of data that drones uh, provided for your clients and how do you best articulate that data? Yeah, no, it's a it's a good question, and you're spot on with the acronyms, and, and just even explaining an orthomosaic is hard to explain. So, but the the neat thing is the data that's embedded in the orthomosaic, right? And or even placing pictures on a map, it adds more context and it just makes it more valuable. So, a, a couple examples uh, in terms of 3D models. So. Um, I've done a, a f multiple projects for 3D modeling, and um, and they're usually for architecture companies, companies that are doing architecture. So two of them, one of them was a hospital down in San Diego, and the architect is they're going to be tearing down buildings and rebuilding buildings, or in empty parking lots, building buildings. And what they wanted to do is have a 3D model of the area so it was about a six block area and um, so what they could do is drop it into their modeling tools and then from there actually 
represent or render their new buildings in those spaces so they could represent the the parking structure being torn down and what the new building would look like in the context of the neighborhood so it wasn't just a 3d model of hey i want a 3d model of a piece of equipment or something like that this was actually a 3d model of a like six by six blocks by of this hospital medical office building is what they call it mob uh, medical office building complex that they could show what this would look like and for a client and we did this as a um as an obj which was a 3d model so we did as a 3d model we could do it as a point cloud too point cloud allows them to kind of take out things and put in things but basically what they're able they were able to show is to give their client and you can just imagine what else you can do but they could give their client this is what this building looks like here's the style of the building oh you want to change the color click click now this is what it looks like and then they could actually represent they could actually put on 3d goggles they could drive up the street and see what that building looks like and what that street looks like now with or without that building sure, it's sure. just so cool so way beyond photos right yeah you know we're talking thousands of photos right and you know i think what we had fifteen thousand photos for that um 80 acres both visual and thermal to do that this this was thousands of photos you know that were put together and represented so they could give this to the client, you know, and represent what their vision is and share the vision. So usually architecture companies, what they do is they kind of put these gray little boxes around and everybody's seen it, right? They have these little mock-ups of buildings. They draw little cubes around and yeah. at approximate heights. This is real world. So they could actually really represent where the trees were and what the neighboring office building looks like in, sure. in the real world. So that's one great example of 3D modeling. Mapping, I have so many examples of mapping that I, I, every construction site I do mapping of and we do time lapse of. Here, let me let me give you an example of a, a nature reserve. Just it was finished. Uh, I I I've been volunteering at this nature reserve, and what this nature reserve is, it's called Madrona Marsh, is it only it gets water only from water runoff from it's a, called a vernal marsh. So it only take gets water from rain. And at the end of the season, which is like right now, we haven't had any rain yet here in LA, is it's basically completely dry right now. And there's, you know, there's shrimp in the ground that then are yeah. still nesting and dormant. There's there's just all this stuff, but the mallards and it's it becomes a freshwater place for birds to my migrating birds to stop at. And there's not very much fresh water. There's a lot of brackish water here in along the California coast, but sure. having fresh waters, it's one of the very, one of the few freshwater ones. But one of the things to try to show, especially kids, was to visualize how the seasons changed. Literally this one area in the marsh goes from no water, which is completely dry right now, to foot and a half to two feet of water. And then it goes away again. And just to try to explain that to students and kids, because they have a lot of kids coming through, I was doing like a video orbit and trying to stitch it together until I found out there's, I started mapping and I started doing the map and I did all of last year. I mapped almost every week. And then once a month, we took a monthly shot and we time-lapsed those orthomosaics again, because they're geo-referenced and they actually have common points. They are 
to scale. So you can lay them on top of each other. And when I laid them on top of each other, it turned into something that a scientist called as a phenology, which I had never heard the term, but it's a right. phenology. And basically a laid on it, taking the maps and then time-lapsing them or overlaying them with other maps gave that picture and you could see the water come and go you could see the outline of the green you could see it, it it just really showed it really well and hopefully it will become a future exhibit here at the nature preserve but it goes well beyond pictures right i could have taken yeah. a picture from the same spot and kind of show it over time and time lapse that this is way better because it shows the the full I think it's 50 acres, right? It shows all the acres of this 40 acres and it shows the whole site and how the water moved different areas of the site too and how it changes. Right, so that's right. a really good a really good example of mapping, not on the commercial side, but on a donation side. But every construction site we do in terms of progress mapping, you know, they're looking for photos. Sure. And and getting them past that, hey, use it for data it's it's still not happening fully in the industry some some companies are starting to get it but i'm just excited they're using drones but hopefully they'll go to the next step right so. right that's a great use case what's the missing piece then when it comes to education is it simply just that word needs to get out a little bit more or um how can you change minds how can you continue to educate um you know potential clients and potential people who could end up using drones on all of these different use cases and all of the different ways that that drones can be used uh you know maybe maybe it's commending frank for for doing a podcast and for sharing some of these use cases for you what, what's the next step when it comes to educating people because it does seem like there's a world of drones that uh, that people that could benefit from it just simply don't know about they don't know they don't know so i here let me answer it a couple ways so one of the things i used the term drone industry at the beginning i think of the podcast or you did and it's a term i just despise because there's no such thing as the drone industry i mean maybe somebody starts manufacturing a drone you'd call them part of the drone industry we're not we're there's actually industries that use drones right? So every industry uses a drone, right? And so there's no such thing as this generic solution, right? And to your question, Tyler, specifically, these aha moments happen in little, they're little bites of aha moments. Right. So there's not this big industry aha moment that's going across all of construction that says, wait, I can use these maps for X, Right, right. It's just not happening. But as people have a use case to measure a stockpile, right? I just had a job here in California last week. Was they're measuring a volume of a stockpile? I captured seventy photos. That's all I had to do. That you know, and the clients doing the rest to measure volumes. And you have to be here in California to measure volumes. You need to be a licensed surveyor. Or, or some other, having some other type of license, professional license. But having the client capturing the photos and having the client do it, they can. But it's the last steel mill in California. There's a steel mill, and it's actually closing the end of the year, it sounds like. And they're measuring the remains of it. They totally get it. This is an accurate way to do it. It's quick. It's accurate. I get it. And so... You know, Charlie over there at the at the steel mine, they get it, or really the company managing the 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 slack and the material, the the byproduct, which has value. It's actually valuable stuff. Construction company too, but it's 
little it's little bites at a time tyler it's not like an industries you walked in and said hey doctors there's x-rays now right everybody uses an x-ray or a ct scan or something but i could bet when it came out the x-ray came out not everybody started using it right people were skeptical they didn't understand how to use the technology is that a bone or is that muscle you know that whole thing mm -hmm. same thing happened in medical industry i'm sure it's happening here in the drone industry and so for construction specifically which is my main focus there's no aha moment but it's people are following the photos and then as i can show them the mapping and any 3D modeling and uh, measurements and things they can do, you know, that that's allows them to start seeing, oh, wait, I can get it. So I'm mm -hmm. finding my entry is through the photos or what I would call pretty pictures, but I am always, always pitching, hey, look at the data you can get. Hey, did you know that this documents your site? So you don't have to, you know where this pipe is. So if it bursts in the future, it's, by the way, it's not the same as your plans, right? There's something called, you know, as built. So this is really how it's being built. It's pretty cool. Before you pour concrete, do a map. You know exactly where the tension lines are and where the pipes are, right? And there's lots of people that get it, but aren't doing it. So there's the, I don't even understand that I get it. And then they still don't do it until, you know, there's something that forces them to do it, right? Because yes, yep. just trying to, they're trying to yep. get that figured out. Does that make sense? Tyler? Yeah, it makes to total sense. And I think humans are creatures of habit and are actually afraid of change. You know, the majority of people are afraid of change. So when well, you start introducing yeah. this new technology, it's they get nervous. They're worried about their job. But I, I do yeah. think personally that we are coming out of that early adopter phase, especially in the construction world, because the construction world... Uh, they're utilizing, you know, BIM, BIM technology, which is building information modeling and the difference between an as-built and the design built uh, is very obviously helping them in their efficiencies in integrating the as-built into that BIM uh, model itself. So I think the construction industry and the oil and gas industry, they've been adopting it now for a few years and obviously other industries that are more of the, uh, I, I call them archaic real estate. You know, anybody can take real estate images and video, but with all this other data that's available, uh, you talked about stockpiles and volumetrics. It certainly is a, um, is a big bonus to anybody that's looking to decrease the amount of time and boots on the street uh, with regards to working and their workflow. But Stephen, I have yeah. to thank you very much. So Stephen Katz, founder and chief pilot for Skyladder Drones. I want to thank you personally for joining us on this episode of Drone Insights and Technology. I'd also like to thank our audience for listening. And we hope you found it educational and informative. And if you're not already subscribed to podcasts on Apple or Spotify, Make sure you subscribe today to stay up to date on thought leadership in the drone industry. And I'm sorry, Stephen, I use that drone industry uh, term. It's <laughs> all right. It is. It's all. It's all right. And all remember, right. It's, uh, how, it's how they're going to apply it to their world. So exactly, it's fine. I, I would still call it that. That's fine. And remember, head over to connectsecor.com for more information about us and what we do. And of course, we'll be back soon with more episodes. So stay tuned for that. But until then, I've been your host today, Frank Segarra with my co-host, Tyler Kern. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you on our next episode.
We hope that everyone has enjoyed and learned something on this episode of Drone Insights and Technology. And until next time, please remember, it's not about the drone, it's about the data.